0: Ray Brown's Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com
2: By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com
0: And Video Books. An independent, family-owned bookstore... ...carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. com.
1: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 868. We've been celebrating the dramatic recovery of the bald eagle population in recent years. But researchers at Cornell University have found that the recovery continues to be hampered by the continued use of lead ammunition... Their study, as published in the Journal of Wildlife Management, suggests that the use of lead ammunition in bald eagle habitats has reduced population growth by 4 to 6 percent annually in the Northeast, even as their populations have soared in some other areas. At the end of the Obama administration in 2017, a new policy was put in place to ban toxic ammo... In National Wildlife Refuges, where a lot of hunting takes place. But then incoming Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke reversed that policy. Now the Sierra Club has started a petition urging the Biden administration to reinstate the ban on lead-based ammunition in those National Wildlife Refuges. That petition can be found on the Sierra Club website. That's sierraclub.com. Dot org, Sierra Club dot O-R-G.
0: Extra, extra, read all about it.
1: Here are some of the stories and videos appearing right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and Facebook page. A new study suggests that an increasing number of seabirds are divorcing because of climate change. We'll connect you to the details from a publication, and online publication called The Federal. Meanwhile, why do some female birds seek out multiple partners? A new study suggests it's a way to fight off predators. We'll link you to that story from UK-based IFL Science. We'll also connect you to a report from Texas Monthly about the Rio Grande Valley woman who just broke the U.S. Big Year record. And the 2022 Great Backyard Bird Count is coming. We'll take you to the page where you can learn about and sign up for this fun backyard birding activity and important citizen science project. Stories and videos and such right now on our TalkingBirds.com website and on our Facebook page. And that lovely melodic sound is our mystery bird. Preview here of the contest coming along a bit later. Clues here. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized, long-legged water bird with a football-shaped pink body and a small, partly bald head with a long bill that is flattened at the end. Our bird, which is a resident species in southern Florida, along the Gulf Coast and points south, forages in shallow water by swishing that flat bill from side to side to grab small fish and crustaceans and insects and plant fragments. That would be our mystery bird, and we'll do the contest a little bit later. And we have a big batch of beautiful prizes here, including the Droll Yankees' new generation yellow thistle finch feeder. It has six perch locations to allow several birds to feed simultaneously, It has a special polycarbonate tube that won't yellow with age, and even an internal seed baffle that directs seeds to an additional seed port located at the lowest level to ensure that the feeder empties completely without allowing seed buildup. That is a brilliant idea. And we have a new prize uh, deliverer this morning prize prov- provider and we're happy to welcome Mary's Gone Crackers the largest organic and gluten free cracker company in the United States baking their organic crackers in their own dedicated bakery in Reno, Nevada there's some good stuff that these folks do and we'll talk more about them too but as for the moment here, that's our prize. It's a month's supply of Mary's Gone Crackers Super Seed Crackers. Four boxes in there. And if we get to our bonus question this morning, we'll also give away a beautiful $20 certificate for Wisdom Supply. Makers of plastic-free books and notepads and journals and other supplies for classroom and office. All of that associated with our upcoming Mystery Bird Contest. Well, here's a conservation salute of the week. We know that newspaper staffs are shrinking all over the country, so it's encouraging to hear that one major American newspaper is actually increasing at least one part of its news operation. The Boston Globe is expanding and rethinking its climate coverage and creating a climate team composed of three journalists already in the newsroom and two newly created positions. And they've launched a mandate to incorporate the implications of a changing climate and the urgency of addressing it across their entire newsroom. The Globe says it will not debate the reality of climate change or its cause because the debate is settled. It says it will also shine light on the challenges of a radical carbon reduction... Illuminate paths towards solutions and hold to account the private interests and elected leaders responsible for getting us there. So, Talkin' Birds conservation salute for an important climate initiative in the newspaper world to the Boston Globe. And now a salute to some very special Talking Birds listeners who have become ambassadors, helping us to get the word out about our show and about birds and conservation and thank you to Dwayne benjamin from bradford vermont he says uh, they're kind of new to birding they have a cafe table where they watch from and have seen 17 species of birds through the pandemic thank you Dwayne, and hello sarah and thank you to Shelley booth from lake city florida she says jerry p is one of your birding ambassadors and i received your card from him yesterday While birding with the Four Rivers Audubon Society in Lake City, Florida, loved your podcast this morning. My first listen and would love to be an ambassador to help conservation and the birds any way I can. Thank you so much, Shelly. Jerry P is Jerry Poltarek, a great friend of the show there in Lake City. By the way, Shelly has her own uh, inspiring blog, by the way. We want to give a little plug for that. Um, kind of about how we can all appreciate things more than we do and count our blessings. Uh, here's the address. It's S-R-A-E living dot com. That's S-R-A-E living dot com. Still to come on our show today, we'll bring back a favorite interview from 2021 with superstar birder Rick Wright. Topic, the future of birding. Plus, we'll meet up with Mike O'Connor in a Let's Ask Mike, live segment about um, well, our friends at Birdwatchers Digest. They've closed their publication, but there's still a lot that they are providing. Michael, tell us more about that. And up next, a woodpecker that acts like a flycatcher is our featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine for more than a quarter century, birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. How
0: much wood does a woodpecker pack when a woodpecker packs on
1: wood? When the woodpecker packs, that woodpecker pecks as much wood as it should pack wood. Today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend is a woodpecker. But it doesn't really do a lot of that woodpecking stuff. Instead, it gleans insects from the surface of tree bark or flies out to grab them as a flycatcher does. There's no record of this bird having been dipped in raspberry juice, but it looks like it has been with a striking pale red belly to go with its red face, gray collar, black upper parts and hood, and greenish-black wings, back and tail. It was named for one of the two famous members of the great early 19th century expedition to explore and map newly acquired U.S. territory. The member was Captain Meriwether Lewis, part of the Lewis and Clark duo. The bird is the Lewis's woodpecker. Here's its typical chattering sound. Its cheering calls, often heard in mating season. And its uncommonly heard drumming. In addition to insects, it also feeds on berries and nuts and will sometimes shell and store nuts in cracks and holes in wood for winter use. And it will come to open, flat bird feeders where it's known to behave rather aggressively toward other birds. This large woodpecker, about 10 to 11 inches in length, is a bird of the open woodlands west of the Great Plains whose slow, deliberate flight is unlike that of a typical woodpecker's undulating pattern with fast wing beats, and more like that of a crow. In fact, it's known to some as the crow woodpecker. It's even been observed soaring in circles as high as 500 feet with the ease of a falcon, not flapping its wings at all. A most unusual woodpecker Melanerpe's Lewis, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Lewis's Woodpecker. Just a reminder about our Ambassadors program we mentioned a moment ago and neglected to mention how to become an ambassador. Really easy to do. Just go to our TalkinBirds.com website and click on the Get Involved tab. Right there at the top of the page. Easy to do and easy to join up for. Thanks again for being with us here. It's our show number 868. Rick Wright is a widely published author and sought-after speaker at birding events. He leads birding and birds and art tours for Victor Emanuel Nature Tours and is the book review editor at Birding Magazine. He attended the University of Nebraska and Harvard Law School and holds MA and PhD degrees from Princeton University. And among many other things, he's a founding member of the Nebraska Ornithologists' Union Bird Records Committee. And he joins us here on Talking Birds to talk about the future of birding. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Rick. Great to have you on the show, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, we think about technology, I guess, as maybe the biggest thing that will influence the future of birding. But... You've talked about the idea of how birders these days, especially younger birders, have begun to integrate other interests into their birding activity. So is that something you think will be a major driver in changing birding in the future?
2: I think that's going to be a major part of the development of birding as we as we move into the future. And it isn't just integrating other activities into birding activities, it's the other way around too. Um, I remember when I started birding back way back in the 1970s, birding for a lot of people seemed to be a discrete, compartmentalized, segregated part of their lives. They'd um, dust off the binoculars in early May and put them back in, in June and maybe attend an Audubon Society meeting on the fourth Wednesday of the month, maybe hit a Christmas count, but when they were birding, they were birding, and when they were doing something else, whatever their interest or whatever their obligation, they were doing that something else. I see that as changing, and I think young people are contributing massively to that change, where birding is simply something that one does all the time, no matter what else someone is doing, they're also birding. And um, I also find a a very happy development, um, not just in young birders, but in birders overall, that when you're birding, if you see something else, a natural thing, a fascinating piece of architecture, um, a, a historic site, you can bird at those places too. You can combine the experiences in a way that makes your overall experience that much richer.
1: Interesting. And and Rick, what about birders' interest in the environment? It does seem that there's not quite the correlation we might expect between an interest in watching birds and caring about the planet. Uh, Is that likely to change, do you think, as part of that integration?
2: I hope it does and I think that there's reason for for hope. I see a lot of um, birders, um, birders of all ages and generations, moving from birding quite logically to an interest in habitats and conservation. I don't think that that movement um, from birding as entertainment to birding as conservation is quite as automatic, quite as inevitable as a lot of people have thought over the years. But I think that's improving. Um, There are still plenty of birders who. Who go out and bird without perhaps giving as much thought as they might to their surroundings. But I I do believe that's changing and I hope that it will continue to change. Mm -hmm. So what
1: about the technology thing? Where do you come down, Rick, on the pluses and minuses of apps and automatic photo and sound ID and all of that?
2: Well, it depends on what you think birding really is. Mm -hmm. If if birding is, as we have practiced it in, in North America and Northern Europe for the past more than 100 years now, if birding is exclusively about identification and the skills and knowledge that you have to bring to identification problems, then things like automatic sound and sight identification devices are, are a death now. But I don't think that birding has to be that. Um, Birding can be whatever you choose to make of it. And if identification is simply a step in your larger process of birding, then having technological help in that identification is a great thing. Um, For a while, and on some days I still think this, but for a while earlier this century, I believed that technology and the technologization of birding was was working against what had always been one of the great advantages of birding which was the creation of a community the creation of mentor relationships the creation of a sense of of cultural and historical tradition where knowledge is passed down from one person to the other i thought that technology was was really putting a stop to that i'm not so sure now um I find that when I am out with people who are really using technology heavily, one of the things that they're doing as they use their technology, whether they're keeping an eBird list or taking really excellent photographs or sound recordings, they're also, in the back of their mind and maybe in the front of their mind, using those parts of their experience to create a narrative that they are going to present to friends and other birders at the end of our excursion. Mm-hmm. so they'll take a photograph and in the back of their mind they'll be thinking oh I'm putting that photograph on twitter and what I'm going to say about it is this and it will stand for my whole experience in this way and people then communicate about that and in that sense i think that some technologies are actually making the community stronger they're making the community broader global in in many in many instances And I think that's a positive.
1: Mm -hmm. We've talked about young birders here. I'm interested in your thoughts, Rick, about efforts to turn young people onto birding. There, I think, is kind of a prevailing theory that is in many hobbies or interests, whether it's birding or classical music or whatever, that if we don't get young people involved, that thing will disappear. I think you push back on that somewhat. Am I right?
2: I, I am a little bit skeptical about that idea. Um, it, it, may, it may sound a little cynical, but I think that we've been saying that forever. Um, every single decade we, we talk about the death of our hobby because there's no one looking over our shoulders generationally. And I think that that perhaps disregards the, the typical pattern of not just birding, but a lot of hobbies, a lot of, of different hobbies. People often will get started at a young age, um, especially for boys. The, the classic age is 12 or 13 to get started in birding and get really into it. But a lot of those birders then move into college move into jobs, move into families, move into demanding careers, Mm -hmm. and birding and whatever other hobbies they they may have been obsessed with necessarily fall by the wayside for a while. And that, I think, is what people are talking about when they talk about the lack of young people Mm -hmm. in birding. But what happens then is that as life smooths out and settles down, say the children leave the house, um, retirement or greater career stability sets in, And those same people who maybe 20 years earlier were really excited about birding, think back on that time and think, (laughs) I wonder if that's still going on. Could I pick it up again? They do pick it up again. And I think that that pattern is repeated over time. And I'm very, very certain that that pattern is going to continue. We may feel a gap in the sort of middle of the birding demographic, but I think there are people behind us coming up.
1: Mm-hmm. Let me swing back, uh, Rick, around to uh, this idea of integrating other interests uh, within birding or the other way around and ask you about your birds and
2: art tours. Yeah, um, the birds and art tours that I've been um, leading for Victor Emmanuel in Central America and in Central and, and Western Europe are just just a blast and and it's the way i've always birded i really enjoy being able to satisfy many of my interests at once by birding say historical ruins or going to a museum on a rainy afternoon, and then when it clears in the, in the evening, going out and, and seeing some great birds behind the museum, that's a good birding day for me. Mm-hmm. And I find that there are large numbers of people out there who are interested in doing exactly the same thing. Maybe a birding tour where you sit around for an hour every evening and click off the, the 250 species that you've seen that day doesn't appeal to them as much as a birding tour where you see lots of birds, but at the same in time, you experience the whole landscape, including the cultural and artistic landscape.
1: Mm-hmm. Folks can learn about those tours, by the way, through the Victor Manual Nature Tours website. I believe it's ventbird.com. Do I have that right? That's it, ventbird.com. And we can follow you on Twitter as well. Fascinating, right. fascinating thoughts there by author, in-demand speaker uh, and birding and birds and art tour leader Rick Wright with some thoughts about the future of birding here on Talking Birds. Rick, thank you so much for being with us, and I hope you'll come back and discuss some other birding topics soon. I'll look forward to it. Rick Wright here on Talking Birds, and up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-Vortex or visit vortexoptics.com. Here we are on the mystery bird contest. We're hearing the sound of our mystery bird. It's one of those birds that looks a lot better than it sounds. And here's a description. It's a medium-sized, long-legged water bird with a football-shaped pink body and a small, partly bald head with a long bill that is flattened at the end. I could probably only really uh, match one particular bird. And that would be our mystery bird here. A resident species in southern Florida, the Gulf Coast, and points south What is that bird? Let us know and uh, maybe win these beautiful prizes including the Droll Yankees New Generation Yellow Thistle Finch Feeder with six perch locations that allow several birds to feed simultaneously. And our new prize here, a month's supply of Mary's Gone Crackers Super Seed Crackers. They are really, really good. From the largest organic and gluten-free cracker company in the United States, Mary's gone crackers a really environmentally sensitive company we're happy to have them providing a prize here on talking birds 781-837-4900 is the number to call please call us as soon as you can we are especially uh, late this morning so if you can get to us as soon as you possibly can that number is 781-837-4900 that's 781-837-4900 meanwhile Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. Beautyo Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautyobooks.com B-U-T-E-O. Beautyobooks.com.
2: My name is Fabrique Garcia. I'm in San Antonio, Texas. I've been a Talking Birds listener for over 15 years. I like being a Talking Birds ambassador because it gives me an opportunity to communicate with other people and be a member of a group that we have a lot of things in common. Talkin' Birds listeners, we hope you'll join our ambassador's family at TalkinBirds.com. Join today and thanks.
1: That's the familiar, uh, familiar music uh, for a man who can say the word familiar. Probably better <laughs> than uh, yours truly. And that, and that would be Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatcher's general store in Cape Cod. Good morning, Mike.
0: Hey, good morning, Ray. Here hear you selling crackers now. Good up me a box of those, will
1: you? Yeah, Mary's Gone Crackers. Those are really uh, good, yeah. These are the Super uh, Seed Crackers. They make a whole bunch of different kinds. But this uh, is uh, uh, yeah, but this is, uh, this is a good one, Super Seed Crackers. Let's see. Uh, so, Mike, uh, we are among the many, many, many people sad to see the demise of Birdwatcher's Digest. been around for, what, as long as the Birdwatcher's General Store has been, I think, right? Yeah.
0: yeah you know, in many ways they, they helped start the Birdwatcher's General Store because back in the day when we we started back in the early 80s. I didn't know where to get any supplies. There was no trade shows for us or internet to look stuff up. And I used to go to the local library and sit with a stack, I'm not kidding, of yellow pages throughout the country and try to find bird feeder items to put in the store. I could flip through the yellow pages. And then I came upon... Uh, Bird Watchers Digest, which was fairly new then. And in the back they had pages and pages of people trying to sell their stuff whether whether they made Seward or Bird Houses or earrings or gifts. It was just the stuff I would look I needed and I would sit there in the library with a stack of <laughs> postcards, these you know mm-hmm. And just write to the company, say this is what I'm doing, and I'd I like to sell your items, and I would leave there with a stack of papers, all because the Birdwatchers Digest would offer all these ads, and and that's how it got started. Now, over the years, the internet kind of sucked all those things up, and there were fewer ads, and 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 the, the, the magazines so it eventually dissolved, which was too bad, but they really helped us get going, but. The good news is Birdwatcher's Digest is still there on on the website. If you look at it, there's tons of podcasts. There's tons of information on birding and identification. And if you punch it up, take your time, just look at it when you get a chance, and listen to the things or play them in your car because you can do it through the blue bluetooth and and it's still out there and there's a lot of stuff especially new newbie birders, to look up and it'll teach you all kinds of things that's still out there and just go scroll around their website birdwatchesdigest.com they're out of business so i'm not plugging them to make money or for anybody (laughs) but i think you'll find that especially rookies will learn a lot from all the years of information they've compiled so Mm -hmm. it should not go to waste
1: all right that's very cool i'm glad to hear about that and thanks for letting us know and also Nice to know where you get your earrings from. I know that. <laughs> they look nice, don't they? They are beautiful. Hey, we'll talk to you next week, Mike. Sounds good. All right. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Meanwhile, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. And forgive us for playing this uh, sound here one more time, but that's kind of part of the contest here. That's kind of what we do with the clues and the sound. A uh, medium-sized, long-legged water bird with a football-shaped pink body and a small, partly bald head with a long bill that is flattened at the end. We could say which kind of uh, utensil that is shaped like, but that would kind of give, give the thing away there, I think. But anyway, Caroline is in Hummerock, Massachusetts, and she has a guest for us, it looks like. Good morning, Caroline. Hi. Hi, good it's morning.
0: It's the Roseate
1: Spoonbill. Wow, there's no hesitating there with that. There's a Roseate Spoonbill. Spoonbill says, Caroline, and that is absolutely correct. And it sounds like you knew it. That was not a guess. That was just a, here's what it is, and that's it, right?
0: That's right. <laughs> All There's right. no doubt about it. It's a rosette spoon Spoonbill. That
1: is right. They, we didn't want to say it was shaped like a spoon because that would be, well, you knew it anyway without that kind of a hint. So nice job, Caroline, and just stay on the line there. We'll, we'll make the arrangements. Thank you so much. Thank you. Caroline in Hummerock, Massachusetts, correctly identifying the roseate spoonbill as our mystery bird. Next week, our special guest will be Michael Herbin, a birder with low vision who's on a quest to see and hear half of the world's bird species. That's next week. Thanks to our amazing Talkin' Birds team, Debbie Beecher, uh, Bleacher, Fray McGregor, our special assistant, Audrey Stack, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The Bird
0: Show. I like that. Ray Brown's Talkin' Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
2: By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at VortexOptics.com.
0: And Video Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. BeautyOBooks.com.